Step into the spotlight, step into the spotlight, step into the spotlight. It's catchy, isn't it? I know, I like it. Uh, this movie is fantastic, and this theme of stepping into the spotlight is found throughout. And I just thought it'd be cool if I had my tech friends actually make me a spotlight because, well, we can. So um, do we have that ready? Do we have that ready? Oh, yeah. So I can step right over here and have this spotlight right here. I heard it makes my head look shinier. Um, so you're welcome. I was like, do I need makeup? Um, but the spotlight is a central theme to the Black Panther. And back in 2018, this movie came out and it was the highest grossing movie in the United States and Canada, which means that a lot of you have seen it. Now, just, just to humor me, raise of hands, how many of you have actually seen this movie? Okay, so pretty good. Good, good many of you have seen it. Um, so you'll kind of have a context for what we're talking about. Just to let you know about the spotlight, for instance, the spotlight is, technically speaking, a lamp that projects a beam of light to a person or an area. And we'll be coming back to all that. And if you haven't seen the movie, one of the, the things about the great country of Wakanda is they have lots and lots of resources but they make a choice to hide. And so there's this first scene, very beginning of the movie, where Prince T'Challa is talking to his dad. His dad's name is King T'Chaka. Say that 10 times real fast. Don't really. It doesn't work out well. But they're having a conversation and T'Challa asks his father what a lot of kids ask. Where uh, do we come from? What is the story of home? And so we're going to let you check out this first scene right now. So here, this great country has all these power, all this, all this resources, all, all this potential influence, and yet they chose to hide it. And they chose to hide it because they saw the chaos of the world around them. They didn't want to expose themselves to the potential to have all that taken away from them. And so they chose to hide. And the movie continues into um, present day where T'Chaka is assassinated and he's murdered and T'Challa is next in line to become king and so he has the love of his life uh, not in Wakanda she's actually on a undercover spy mission in Nigeria and in this next scene we're going to show you he goes to get her out to bring him or bring her back for his coronation as king and so I want you to check this so much happens in that scene. And let me just say, those women are tough. I love them. Nakia, you can see that she has a heart. She has a heart for other people. And you can see that in that first clip, that she wants to do something. You see Okoye. She's the one with the spear. And she's, you know, she's really tough. And she told T'Challa, gave him some specific instructions before they left. She said, don't freeze. And I want to address this part because if you look at the Wakandan culture in this movie, they were frozen. They, they were frozen by a lot. And one particular area in life that we often get frozen by is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. As we look back in our lives, we can look back on failures. I can look back on plenty of failures that... I wish weren't there. I wish I could do a redo, but you can't because once they happen, they're done. They've happened. 
And as I thought about this and the fear of failure, I thought about how eighth grade happened to me. And some of you look back at middle school and some of you are like, I am in middle school and I'm sorry. Um, middle school can be really challenging, right? Like eighth grade, worst year of my life. And if you're about to be in eighth grade or you're, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to scare you. It just was that way for me. Um, and there are a couple reasons why it was that way. I was a new kid at a new school. I was awkward. I know that surprises you. Um, and I was also a little bit chubby. And so I remember going to a new school, new kid, feeling awkward, wanting to make new friends. And I'm walking down the hallways and don't know anybody. And so it's just a hard thing to break into. And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so as the year went on, I made some friends. And there was one friend I made in particular that I really liked. Her name was Kathy. And Kathy, I liked her for a few reasons. Number one, well, she talked to me. That was a plus. Um, she was a girl. And she smelled good, which is also a big plus when you're in eighth grade. So we sat together in history class. She sat in front of me. I sat behind her, and we talked a good bit of the time. And one day, a group of guys came up to me and said, hey, Brian, guess what? Kathy wants you to ask her out. And so I was very naive, and I was like, really? I was like, oh, okay. And some of you are like, what does that mean? Because there, there's so many phases before, like, asking someone out. But back in the old days... We would ask someone to go out with us, and that meant they were our girlfriend or boyfriend. We, we just skipped past that we were talking, and it was just like, your boyfriend, girlfriend, right away. So we were, we were uh, going down that road, or at least I was in my mind, and the day came where I was going to ask her out. And so I made sure that I wore the best clothes I could possibly wear, and I thought by the time I was done and had my hair done, which I did have hair, I promise, I thought I looked like Tom Cruise from Top Gun. But I looked probably more like Chunk from Goonies. <sighs> right. And so I'm at school, and I see her, and I'm walking down the hallway, and the group of guys are behind me. And they're like, Brian, there she is. You need to go ask her out right now. So they followed me. And I go up, and I see her, and I'm like smiling, and I say, K -k -k Kathy, will you go out with me? I mean, I just threw it right out there. And she looked at me like, Someone will look at a puppy that needs a, a good home, like a puppy that needs adoption. And she said, I think it's better if we just stay friends. And I remember just feeling humiliated because behind me there was a chorus of laughter. And I realized I'd been set up. It was all a joke at my expense. And I felt like a failure. I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't ever want to feel like that again. And so it took me a while to get the nerve to ask another girl out, like a whole year, um, to do that again. And I'm glad I did because, well, life has turned out good for me. But um, I would say that that fear of failure held me captive for quite some time. And it's something I still think about and I can remember vividly. And for a lot of us, when we think about the failures in our lives, we're oftentimes, we're, we're held captive. We're frozen by the fear. And often tied to the fear of failure is the fear of the unknown. Well, what if? What if I do this deal? What if I take this next step? 
What if I move? What if we have a kid? The what if game plays a big part of oftentimes freezing us where we are and not allowing us to move forward. And in a lot of ways, the Wakandans in this movie were frozen by the fear of the unknown. If we share our resources, if we share our influence, if we share our power, what is the chaos of the outside world going to do to our utopian country? And so they were stuck. Now, here's the great thing about being a follower of Jesus. When you receive Jesus as the Savior of your sins, he gives you his Holy Spirit. He gives you his spirit. He gives you himself, and he dwells in you. And he gives you some specific things directly from his spirit. And there is a first century follower of Jesus named Paul who wrote a lot about following Jesus. And he wrote one sentence, one verse that I want to share with you that speaks to the value of having Jesus in your life. And so if you're not a Christ follower, I would just tell you, this is one reason why you would want to receive Jesus. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. In other words, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. God has not given us a spirit of being afraid to take action when we need to take action or to take a step when we need to take a step. God has not given us a spirit that's frozen by fear, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of what if. But he continues that he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. I want to talk about this first word, power. The word power when you, when you hear that word, it just, I like it. It sounds strong. All of us want to be strong. And the word power, if, if you were to go back and you were to be, uh, if you knew the Greek language and you were to read the Bible and its original language, uh, the New Testament, which is written in Greek, you would see that the word here for power is, is a word called dunamis. And dunamis is where we get the English word dynamite. And if if you've ever seen dynamite, um, it's explosive. It can do a lot of damage. But this power isn't a damaging power because this is the kind of power that helps us move toward loving in a unique way and being self-controlled in a unique way. And God's Spirit gives us that explosive power to take action when we need to take action instead of going what if and being frozen by fear of failure. And then the second piece here, the love for others. This love, it's not like a, a, a feel-good love. It's not like when I saw Kathy, you know, oh, I love her, or I think she smells good. or It's not that. It's not like I love tacos. It's a love for others that runs deep. It's the love you have for your children or the love you have for your parents or the love you have for your brother or the love you have for your sister or sometimes the love you have for your pet. It's like some of you really love your pets, and I get it. I mean, it's, it runs deep. This love for others comes from the Spirit of God, where you would give up your life for somebody. And then lastly, this self-control, in other words, is the ability to make wise decisions. The ability to make wise decisions. We all want to have the benefits of making wise decisions in our lives because they take us in a direction. Our decisions take us in a direction 
Um, and, and that direction, it, we all want to end up somewhere uh, that, that, that's a preferred future, but oftentimes we make decisions that take us away from where we really want to be. And, and one of the, the questions I heard, this was a question that um, Andy Stanley, who's a, a popular pastor and writer, wrote years ago. Um, he wrote a book called The Best Question Ever. And the question was, what is the wise thing to do? What is a wise thing to do? If we think about this in term of, terms of when we're trying to decide whether to enter that business deal or to enter that relationship or to have a kid or to say, I want to serve or I want to invite a friend to be part of this church or whatever it may be to eat that, to drink that. What is the wise thing to do is a great question to ask. And he wrote about this years ago. And I thought about this in terms of friendships. This is a great question to ask when it comes to your friendships. Because the people you spend time around the most really determine who you are and where you end up going. You end up doing the things uh, that the people around you do. So what is a wise thing to do in terms of your friendships? And expounding this question even further, what is a wise thing to do in light of your past? Because we all have a past. And there are things that maybe we've done in the past that we don't want to repeat in the future. And so we know that there are certain people in our lives that if we're around, we're going to do what they're going to do. And we don't want to go back to what we were doing before. And if they're doing the things from our past, it means that we oftentimes need to take a step back. That's the wise thing to do. There are some people we need to take a, take a step toward because we can actually help them. It just depends on our past. What is a wise thing to do in light of our present? And what is the wise thing to do in light of our future hopes and dreams, where we want to end up? It's a great question to ask. And God's Spirit gives you the ability to make wise choices. Now, fast-forwarding an hour into this movie, give or take a few minutes, a lot happens. And King T'Challa finds out that his father, King T'Chaka, has in the past murdered his uncle. His, his uncle was an undercover Wakandan spy in Oakland, California. And he murders his uncle because he was trying to sell vibranium and ultimately uh, was going to potentially expose the secret of Wakanda and put them out into the open. And, and so he wanted to protect that. His uncle had a son and his son was left orphaned in Oakland, California. And as you might imagine, the son finds out about this story, and he's not happy about it. And he spends his whole life plotting revenge. He spends his whole life thinking about how he's going to get back at Wakanda. And then eventually goes to challenge T'Challa for his throne. And so T'Challa when he's, he's in turmoil because he's not sure what they should do and he's thinking about Wakanda may need to change. And so there's a scene I want to show you where he's sitting down with uh, Nakia, the love of his life. And Nakia and him are sitting up on a cliff having a conversation about what happened in the past and where they want to go in the future. So I want you to check this out. Did you hear what she said? You don't have to let, let, the, let the, the past, don't have to let the past define who you are. You get to decide what kind of king you're going to be. And for a lot of us, 
when we think about our past, we don't have to let our past define who we are. And I love that Jesus speaks in to what he wants us to be as his followers. He wrote some incredible words in a talk, or actually his follower Matthew wrote some words about a talk he did in the first century. And it's recorded in the book of Matthew in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 14. And, and he wrote these words that Jesus spoke in a very famous talk he gave. And he said this, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now, if you were to go over and look at another follower of Jesus named John's account, you would read in John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus said, he said, I am the light of the world. So the question I ask when I see that is, well, which one is it, Jesus? Are, are we the light of the world or are you the, you the light of the world? And when I look at both accounts and I look at all scripture, I see that it's both. That he is the lamp. He is the source of light. And then we shine the light out from what he has shined into us. He puts a spotlight on us in order that we would shine out. And so then he continues in verse 15. He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. We see Jesus' sense of humor here. You don't, you don't go into a room and flip on a light only to cover it up. Like, gentlemen, you ever try to do something romantic like light candles for your wife and, and try to create a mood and a room and a scene? And you're like, I'm going to light some candles because it'll smell good and it'll create a, a special lighting effect. Um, that would be so great if you were to do something like that. Maybe you've done that before. But you would never do that and then cover it up with a trash basket. I mean, it just wouldn't make any sense. And that Jesus is being very extreme here, saying, you're not going to turn on the light only to cover it up. That would be silly. That would be weird. He said, no, no, a lamp, a light, it's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. That is the purpose for the light to give light, to give illumination, to give sight. And then he continues in verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. He says, put it out there. What you have, you are meant to be seen as a follower of Jesus. You aren't meant to stay in the shadows. And one of the things I love about this movie is the last scene. It's actually after the credits. The Marvel movies are really good at this. They hide scenes after the credits. If you don't know that, you've missed a lot. But after the credits, they hide scenes. And this last scene, we have T'Challa talking about what the great country of Wakanda is going to do to share their resources, to share their influence, to share their power with the rest of the world. So I want you to check this out. So, we're no longer going to stay in the shadows. We're, gonna, we're going to be an example to the rest of the world on how to treat others. The wise build bridges. The foolish build barriers. Sounds a lot like what we're called to do, right? And as I think about this, and I think about the big idea between this movie and how it connects to us through the words from, from Jesus and from Paul, is that God intends for us to step out of the shadows and into the spotlight. To step out of the shadows and to step into the spotlight. And earlier I had a light right here. 
step out of the shadows and into the spotlight. That's what he's calling every follower of Jesus to do. And I don't know what's holding you back, but oftentimes it is fear of failure. It's fear of the unknown. It's all the what ifs. And so what are four practical ways that you can step out of the shadows and into the spotlight? The first one is to be caring. To be caring. Sometimes to be caring, all it takes is one step. I have a friend who attends our location. His name is Charles. And Charles decided to step out of the shadows and into the spotlight this past year in a different way. He was on our pipe and drape team. And he had shoulder surgery, which made doing pipe and drape impossible. And so he came to me and he's like, I can't do pipe and drape anymore because my shoulder is in a sling. And I said, well, we need some adult leadership in our Kids Summit ministry. Our kids ministry is the growth engine of our church. Kids ministry is the next generation. We need to invest into that. I would love for you to be there. And he's like, okay. After one week of stepping foot in there, he came back to me and he's like, that's where I'm supposed to be. And from that, he developed a burden for those kids. He developed a burden he didn't even know he had for those leaders. He developed a burden he didn't even know he had for families. He stepped out of the shadows and into the spotlight. The question is, where do you need to care at a new level? Second way is to be creative. Some of you are stuck in a routine. Or you're thinking, I don't know what I could do. And maybe you haven't taken the time to reflect. What is your story? Where have you had success in the past? Where have you had struggles in the past? Usually what God wants to do is somewhere found somewhere in all that through you. Be creative. Think outside the box. Step out of the shadows and into the spotlight. Reflecting Jesus to the rest of the world. The third way is to be credible. To make wise choices. To think about does, does my actions or do my actions match my talk? What people oftentimes have a really hard believing is when they see the church say, we're the church, we love Jesus, he died for me, he, he forgave me of my sins. And they see a life that runs contrary to someone that's been forgiven. It's a way that we step out of the shadows and into the spotlight. And then last, be courageous. Be courageous. Some of us, we need more uh, people around us like Nakia, who pretty much say, I believe in you. I believe in you. It oftentimes takes the belief of another person for us to realize that we can live out a remarkable story. That we can live out a story that's not shrouded in the shadows, but illuminated by the light. Surround yourself with courageous people because then you can be courageous and you can be everything you were designed to be. I want to share one last story with you from someone um, this past week that attends our location. They've attended our location for really about the whole time we've been here. They found out about us early on. 
and they visited. And shortly thereafter, they joined our setup and teardown team and have been on our, our setup and teardown, teardown team for over three years. And this person's name is Dave Kame. And I, I was talking to Dave this past week, and he sent me a text and said he wanted to serve with our Kids Summit ministry for elementary age kids and our impact ministry. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. But I, so then I followed up that his inquiry and said, why, why do you want to do that? And so he wrote the following in a text message that I want to read to you of how he wanted to step out essentially of the shadows and into the spotlight. He said, I wanted to be more involved with my kids and show them the importance of Jesus and their lives. I saw the impact that can be made and I realized the future growth of the church is through kids. I was thinking about the number of families coming to Jamestown after kids were invited. And I see something awesome happening in our kids' ministry. My kids love it, and I want to make sure they have the resources to continue. My nephew Noah has connected with Jake, and that means a lot to me. Between, or I'm sorry, bottom line, pipe and drape is a fantastic mission. But there's a need for more involvement, and God put a desire in me that I have not felt before. I'm not sure how to describe it other than God just being God and placing it on my heart. And the question I have for you with this whole idea of stepping out of the shadows and into the spotlight is what is God placing on your heart? Because he doesn't want you to stay stuck and frozen by fear of failure, fear of the unknown. What is it? We have people in the hallway that wear yellow shirts. There are guest services people. They'll be glad to help you take a next step here with us. It may be in your home. It may be that, hey, there's someone that you need to invite to be a part of this. We've got a new series coming up we'll tell you about in a few minutes. It's always a great way to bring someone in for the very first time so they can experience what you get to experience on a week, weekly basis. Now, some of you are here for the first time. I'm glad you're here. But where do you need to step out of the shadows and into the spotlight? Because God is about forward motion. I want to pray for you as you consider your next step. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to step out of the shadows and into the spotlight, into your light. And we thank you that Jesus is the source of our light, that Jesus' spirit has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, a spirit of cowardice, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, self-discipline. And I pray, God, that maybe someone here today needs to take their next step just to receive you, just to follow you, just to step into your life for the very first time. God, I pray that they would not hold back any longer. And for those who have been around for a while, I pray that you would stir in their hearts, just like you stirred in Dave's heart, a desire for more in order to shine your light into the world so that all people can see you. We thank you for this time, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.